The Bill Myers Show podcast is sponsored by Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Find out more about them at clouserdrilling.com. Ron, how is the market playing this uh, particular Wednesday? Of course, yeah, you said your internet went out too. All <laughs> right, like, oh, like everybody what a, else. What an interesting situation. Yeah, it really has um, been. Hmm. Luckily, it came back up, so I was able to start, uh, you know, continue keeping up to date on stuff. But um, so here, here's the news uh, at the moment. Looks like uh, we're in a situation where we're in a downward uh, spell for a bit as mm-hmm. companies are taking profits, individuals are taking profits. Kind of what I said was going to happen. We had the nice peak, the the Santa Claus rally, as we were talking about it. January comes around, everybody comes, pulls out their their profits, starts taking some of the stuff, readjusting portfolios going into the new year. So we'll we'll see how this continues to go. Um, for the most part, though, the big thing that we need to to look at is that the Federal Reserve is probably going to have to drop rates this year. Oh. How quickly that is going to take place. It depends on how severe of a recession they create, right? When, yeah, when you say it has to, in other words, they're just looking at it and they're going to have to, going to be forced in order to uh, to keep the plate spinning. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Well, kind of, mm. yeah. I mean, here, here, here's the situation. And something that you've said is that the Federal Reserve just continues to push, push, push until they break something, right? And unfortunately... Uh, what it's looking like is we're, we we had a really good chance of making a, a soft landing. Um, the fact that the Fed has only done that three times in its entire history of 100-some-plus years is is not encouraging, but okay. put that aside. Yeah, ha- have they broken housing? I- I'm wondering if that's the, uh, the metric the, that they look at. The housing is something that we're looking at, but the other thing that we're looking at is there's now a 50% chance that companies are going to start laying off people um, if that the, the, there's serious talk in, uh. in the world of, of laying off, massive layoffs, in, if a recession comes. And so that's the thing that we have to worry about. If the Fed starts seeing us slipping into a severe recession or or what they would consider a, a you know to be a more severe re- recession you can darn well bet they're going to start dropping those rates and uh and they'll have to do it pretty quick hmm. so we'll generally speaking though everything the fed has ever done they always either wait too long to start or they wait too long to start it you know, you know exactly. easing they're, or they're, they're behind the ball either way yeah yeah it's really interesting you look at the uh, history of that but Anyway, there's ways to plan your portfolio to uh, take advantage of it one way or the other. And you can call Ron and talk about it, 734-0070. Easy way to remember, 734-007-0, you know, 0070, all right? There we go. All right, Ron. I appreciate it, Bill. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you. We'll see you on Conspiracy Theory Thursday. Coming up is Dr. Pierre Corey. I'm looking forward to talking with him. I read his book a few months ago when I last had him on. It's the war on ivermectin, the medicine that saved millions and could have ended the pandemic. And the latest on this uh, this topic is that the FDA is trying to get this high-profile ivermectin case thrown out of court. There's some other news, too, including Fauci. I wanted to talk with uh, with Dr. Corey about that all coming up. This hour of the Bill Meyer Show is brought to you by Johnson Builders, Southern Oregon's leading authority in post-frame and steel buildings for over 20 years. If you farm and ranch, there's always an off-season to-do list. Two Dogs Fabricating can check some of those boxes so you're ready for spring. Two Dogs expertly repairs busted equipment, fabricates new implements to meet specific needs, and modifies and strengthens your current stuff to extend its life with expert shop work to avoid time-consuming field repairs. Two Dogs fabricates custom gates, too. So if you have an idea, sketch it out on a napkin and bring it in. We'll take care of the rest. Two Dogs Fabricating on Brian Way off Sage Road in Medford. Hi, it's Bill Meyer, and I'm with Sharice from No Wires Now. It's time to switch to DISH. You bet. If you have direct TV or cable TV, call me today to see how I can save you money. Plus, I'll lower your internet and cell phone bill. And those offers in the mail from DISH, you can go through No Wires Now for those. Call me at 541-680-5875. Call Sharice like I did or visit their showroom off Biddle Road in Medford. NoWiresNow.com. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Internet and cell phone service are not provided by Does it ever stop? Nope. Another black eye for Tesla and most other EVs. I'm Kim Commando, brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Post a job for free and find qualified candidates quickly at LinkedIn.com slash Kim.
America is in the grip of a massive cold wave, but don't let the climate activists frighten you. This is normal. After all, it is winter. And in Chicago, at 11 a.m. yesterday, the temperature was exactly zero. Tesla charging stations look like car graveyards. Dead Teslas are scattered everywhere. And that's because Teslas simply won't start in bitter cold. They won't charge either. If you went to bed last night with any charge on the battery, this morning, the charge was either gone or almost gone. Tesla tells all its owners to keep the charge level above 20% during cold weather. But it's the cold that actually drains the battery, whether you're driving or not. And if you live in Miami, well, ignore the story. But if you live where it is cold, remember this before you buy an EV. I'm giving away a $1,000 PC or Mac. Enter to win at commando.com slash win. Does it make sense that the same company who controls half of all online retail also passively eavesdrops on your private conversations at home? What about the idea that a single company controls 90% of internet searches, runs your email service, and gets to track everything you do on your smartphone? Big tech is powerful, and they profit by exploiting your personal data. It's time to put a layer of protection between your online activity and those tech juggernauts. When you run ExpressVPN on your device, the software hides your IP address, making your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers. ExpressVPN also encrypts all your internet data to keep you safe from hackers without slowing your connection. Just download the app on your phone or computer, tap one button, and you're protected. Go to expressvpn.com kim to get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com kim to get three extra months for free. That address again? expressvpn.com slash Kim. In South Jackson County, hear KMED best on 106.7 FM. Translator K294AS Ashland. This is the Bill Myers Show on 106.3 KMED and 99.3 KCMD. 12 minutes after 8. You know what I was talking about an hour ago with Eric Peters and various other folks about uh, fighting for the truth, being able to tell the truth and not being forced to live and or you know obey the lie as the case might be well that kind of uh, take uh, an hour ago i think it uh, really applies to what we're going to be talking to over the uh, the next few minutes here with dr pierre Corey, and he's the author of war on ivermectin the medicine that saved millions and could have ended the pandemic i read this book i, I want to say about uh, I-, I think it was a couple of months ago when i last had you on doctor but uh, welcome back to the program. Good morning, sir. Thanks, Bill. Good to be back. Yeah, the war on ivermectin is is eye-opening. As I was going through it, I'm going like, uh-huh, yep, that's what happened with me. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, they did this. Yep, they did. Oh, they did? Oh, really? Okay, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> you, you, you just, I just ended up uh, kind of uh, nodding, jaw-dropping, you know, the various things. And I think it is a must-read book because it is uh, essentially... I'm thinking your your book is almost like detailing one of the biggest crimes of the century here so far, really. I mean, am I engaging in hyperbole to think that? And I, I know I'm not just blowing smoke at you, but, you know, it, it's pretty wild what happened with this drug. There's, that's totally accurate, Bill. I mean, that was actually a, um, a title uh, that we were considering because that's literally what I'm describing. I mean, it, it was a global crime and it led to millions of deaths around the world. Tell us about your medical experience just briefly that that got you into this situation. And it was a pretty dangerous thing for you to have, you know, come out and and gone in the direction that you did. And so I have to, you know, give you kudos for that. Well, I have to say that I didn't know it was dangerous until it was dangerous. I mean, I just did what I always did in my career. I mean, we, we were researching, me and my colleagues, we formed the my nonprofit organization, the SLCCC. Um, and we formed that just to try to figure out how to develop the most effective treatment protocols. And we were just researching all of the options, tons of therapies. I testified on the critical need for corticosteroids mm-hmm. um, in May of 2020 in the Senate. That became standard of care two months later. And I testified on corticosteroids at a time when every national and international health organization was saying not to use them. And then when I went back six months later into the Senate, I testified on ivermectin. That's when our lives went sideways. And uh, things uh, became really different after that. Um, but we kept at it. And we know how to treat this disease. <laughs> We're not worried of the disease. My patients do really well. None of my patients go to the hospital. None of them die. And uh, that's been the case for a long time now. 
I remember uh, what uh, was going on at that time. How now? I, I never ended up uh, taking the uh, the vaccine for one for one reason or another. But I had a listener who said, you know, you ought to go take a look at what they're doing over on FLCCC. And I was looking at them. I was reading the protocols and the position papers and the evidence. And uh, even though I'm not a medical doctor, you know, I'm able to you know, figure out that, hey, there was really something going on here. And I ended up uh, getting a prescription for ivermectin. I was hoping to uh, to just kind of you know, get that done because it was not that big of a deal, you know, at, at the no. time or, you know, up to that point. And then the state of Oregon ended up uh, coming out and saying, uh, telling all of the uh, the pharmaceuticals or the pharmacists are saying, hey, you know, that's a really nice pharmaceutical practice you have. It'd be a, cha- it'd be a shame if something went wrong with it. You know, it's essentially what happened. Yep. And it yep. just astounded me that there was a this Nobel Prize winning drug, the people that discovered this, that they've helped saved so many lives over the years and so many lies were told in the wake of that. And we know this is what happened. Do we still know the why, or do we really understand the why of it having happened this way, Dr. Corey? Yeah. And that's really what I address in the book, right? So the, the, the why's, why would they suppress evidence of efficacy of early treatments? Um, And I mean, the why's is not that long of a list, but number one, is that ivermectin threatened the emergency use authorization for the vaccine campaign. Um, that's, that's probably the number one reason why they had to destroy uh, ivermectin. Because without, you know, w- with knowledge of an effective treatment, you can't launch an experimental gene therapy on the world. Um, so that was one reason. The second is that it threatened the profits of their pipeline drugs, right? So Paxlovid, Remdesivir, Molnupiravir. So I mean, those markets, if you total everything up over the last few years, I mean, you're north of $100 billion. And that industry, the pharmaceutical industry, is a you know documented criminal industry. They have committed numerous crimes over decades to protect profits, and, and they really are depraved. And so, you know, although my book is called The War on Ivermectin, one of my colleagues could have written the book The War on Hydroxychloroquine because it was the same war, mm-hmm. same tactics same results. And I'll just finish by saying, you know, my book is really centered and was inspired by an article written uh, by the Union for Concerned Scientists. And it's an article called The Disinformation Playbook. And obviously, you read the book, Bill, and mm-hmm. you probably know this as much as anyone. But, you know, they, they outline tactics that, that industries deploy when science emerges that's inconvenient to their interests. And I detail and document that entire disinformation campaign, how successful it was, how, like you just mentioned, you know, they got agencies to then threaten pharmacists, doctors were persecuted. I mean, it's almost like we were giving out fentanyl on the corner. That's how they were treating us, when we were just using one of the safest drugs in history to treat what could be a life-threatening disease. Yeah, yeah. and that was my ivermectin. But uh, ironically, though, here in the state of Oregon, they'd probably be much happier if you were handing out fentanyl on the streets, you know, because, you know, after <laughs> all, you know, we can't have a judgment on uh, on people's lifestyles. I digress. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just get really no, no. <laughs> you know, irritated after a while by all of this. I wanted to talk about a couple of items in the news that are sort that are, you know, Connected with what what is uh, going on in here, and uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci ended up uh, talking to Congress a few days ago. And could you give us a take on it overall what he was uh, what he was saying? Did did he say anything that just jumped out at you and just said, "Okay, that makes sense," or or "Whoa, where did that come from?" I, I'm kind of wondering where you're you know reacting on this. And I know yeah. there hasn't been a lot of play on this one. I think there are a lot of people that are just hoping that the COVID thing would just go away, but it's important. Well. Yeah, well, I wrote an op-ed that was published in The Federalist on Friday where, you know, I took Fauci to task from the information that we learned from his testimony. We don't have transcripts yet, but, um, you know, he, he's trying to walk back and distance himself from those three years of illogical and highly damaging policies, right? So first was the six feet. He had to admit that that just kind of came out of nowhere. There's no science to support that. It was illogical, we knew at the beginning. Um let alone, you know, he's trying to deny the harms of, uh, of masks. I mean, he literally is pretending that he doesn't know that the lockdowns and masking of children uh, led to, you know, a historic decline in reading scores of nine-year-olds and the first time ever decrease in the math scores of nine-year-olds. So, and, and that's only those uh, that was discussed that I heard of, but not, not the huge transfer of wealth uh, that the lockdowns uh, created. 
And then he then he, now he's starting to say, yeah, maybe mandates aren't a good idea for vaccines because they, they increase vaccine hesitancy. That's literally the reason why he gives for that. And, and then <laughs> hey, so so he, he's not even approaching yeah. it out of uh, out of a manner of uh, personal autonomy and liberty. <laughs> They're not even doing nope. that. Not even going there. No, it, 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 it's shocking that we have to listen to him. And and, you know, and then also there's reports that he said, I don't know or I can't remember to about 100 different questions. And so, you know. It's obvious. I mean, Fauci literally works for the pharmaceutical industry. You do not stay on top of the biomedical industrial complex for 40 years without literally working hand in hand with pharma. So, and we saw that. I mean, we saw that from the beginning that every policy issue, all you have to do is look at the policy and ask yourself, what would a pharmaceutical company want? And then look back at the policy. And then you can just nod your head and be like, ah, now I see why they're ignoring natural immunity because they want to uh-huh. vaccinate the whole country. They want that market to be as big as possible, you know, even knowing natural immunity is always better than vaccine induced immunity. And so it, it's been really hard to watch these two years, but we are under federal regulatory capture. That has to be widely known. Our agencies are not doing public health. They are working for pharma. Dr. Corey, have the... Uh... Has the exemption, has the liability exemption that uh, that pharmaceutical companies have for making vaccines, has that inadvertently, or maybe that was part of the plan, made vaccines worse because you don't have to worry about it? Is it is is it a cynical thing to say that, or even wonder, you know, when you don't have to worry about whether it's good or not, you know, maybe you don't do good things. It's it's not very cynical at all. I mean, there's there's demonstrable proof that not only the COVID vaccines, the way they were manufactured, with immense amounts of violations to good manufacturing practices, but we also have evidence that some of the childhood vaccines are not very well manufactured, that have varying amounts of aluminum in them, and that is only one of the reasons that leads to their danger. And we know that those liability, you know, that 86, um, you know, immunity that was given to the vaccine companies was given because the vaccine companies went to Washington and said that the vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. This is something Bobby Kennedy has talked about multiple times. So you have the vaccine industry who said we can't continue to manufacture unavoidably unsafe products without immunity. We are getting litigated against too hard. So what what, what happens? We give them immunity. And now how, how careful are you think you think they're going to be with the manufacturing of those things when they are immune from any consequence? Yeah, there really is a perverse incentive to, you know, kind of uh, not worry about it too much because the federal yep. government doesn't really pay out much, from what I understand. Isn't that the case if oh, you end up going into vaccine not, court? It's impossible. I mean, not impossible to have people who've been compensated, but not nothing compared to the amount of people who've been injured. The criteria to meet for compensation, it's a short list of side effects. It has to be a strong temporal association. So although there are certainly some people who've met those criteria, the vast majority fall outside. We have a huge explosion in autism in this country. And this whole idea that it doesn't cause autism is so easily disprovable, but yet that's the narrative. But we, we have tens, if not hundreds of thousands of children with autism. And if you know someone, uh, you know, who has an autistic child, their lives are irreversibly changed. I mean, that's a lifetime of care for uh, a vaccine-injured child. It's absolutely uh, – it, it's, it's so sad to see how much chronic illness – uh, has been created from these this insane CDC schedule of 72 different injections. I mean, I, bo- I was born in 1970. I think in my age, I think I had eight or nine injections. Now they're up to 72 because they can't stop because everyone is profitable. They, they're immune from anything bad happening, so they don't care. They give children four and five injections on the same day. I'm telling you, the whole vaccine industry needs to be uh, severely looked at by the independent uh, group of experts, but the independents don't have any power. Well, it sounds to me as if that uh, essentially the vaccine, you know, and and I I have mixed emotions about this whole thing here, Dr. Corey. Now, and I'll just give you a a personal experience. Uh, You know, my loved one ended up uh, surviving a, a really serious bout with cancer because of a pretty super immunotherapy drug, uh, Keytruda, you know, a number of years ago, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I I look at that miracle 
And then I look at, you know, that, that miracle that happened in my life. And so I'm thinking, well, I'm just, I'm glad that there was someone that was able to make that. And yet I look at the COVID stuff that was going on and the various other vaccine issues. And I'm looking at that as kind of monstrous. So where do we go on something like that? How do we, you know, find some, some balance so that we keep our miracles too. And and, and we're not throwing out uh, all the uh, babies with our anger at uh, what's going on with uh, vaccine mandates and such. You you have a thought about that on policy moving forward? I mean, I do. I think it's a complex answer, but in effect, I mean, we have to change the structure and leadership of our public health agencies. I mean, we have so much power installed in, in one or two people in, in our federal federal public health apparatus. We, we need like an independent committee of diverse advisors, clinicians, uh, experts without conflicts of interest. Uh, and when you do that, I think we can develop agencies uh, that, that more objectively um, can assess safety and efficacy and especially mm-hmm. repurpose drugs. So we have so many uh, drugs that have been FDA approved for numerous illnesses. Many of them have mechanisms which lend themselves to efficacy in other treatments. But yet in this country, repurposed drugs is the Achilles heel of the pharmaceutical industry. It's their number one enemy. Oh. Because if you have a repurposed drug that can treat a disease, it completely removes the obscene profits that they used to rely on. And so aren't most of those generics at that point by the time they get repurposed? Exactly. Yeah. And I should say generic. So when I say repurposed, that almost in all almost all circumstances, they're generic, they're off patent. And, you know, they have been fighting generics for, you know, years. They always want the pricey new patented pharmaceutical. And so there's there's a lot of efforts that they do to make sure uh, that uh, off-patent drugs are not studied for new diseases. And, and we know the safety of off-patent drugs because they've been around for a while. Doctors get to know them. We're very comfortable with them. They're generally safer, very well tolerated. And so we don't have to keep trying experimental things in which we can't trust the data behind them. And we know they routinely bury adverse effects in their trials. They routinely manipulate trials to overstate uh, impacts. And, you know, I, it, again, like there's no quick fix, but I think first thing is people have to understand that they have to be much more skeptical, much less trusting of what's coming out of those institutions. There was an article that came out in Epic Times a few days ago, and this involved, of course, the drug that you wrote your book about, you know, the war against ivermectin. And the FDA has launched a fresh bid to throw out one of these ivermectin cases. And I think, uh, was it in Texas? I think they went, yeah, Southern District of Texas, this was going on. Now, you are not involved directly, but you're sort of in the orbit of this case. Can you can you well, tell us yeah, what my, is going on my, with that? So Paul Merrick is the co-founder of my organization, FLCCC.net. Um, he is one of the named doctors in that suit. And so us in the FLCCC, we're working with lawyers. And- doctor? Hello, doctor. Let me see if I can. Sorry. I, oh, oh, we got you back. Can okay. You hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear Sorry, you now. But, yeah, yeah, we lost you. So you yeah. started talking about Paul Merrick. Hmm. Yeah, so, you know, Paul's one of the named doctors. And in that case, you know, uh, they filed it saying that the FDA yeah, literally caused harm. I mean, they were persecuted. We couldn't use ivermectin. Our patients were harmed. Uh, many of us uh, lost jobs and licenses because of that FDA guidance. And the FDA has no regulatory role in the practice of medicine. They should not be recommending or not recommending any medicines, and they overstepped their bounds. And that's why the suit was filed. And although it was initially dismissed, on appeal, the appeals court, they were really angry. And they actually uh, stayed the case, so the case is still alive. Uh And I think that's the big win, because in that appeals judgment, they really reprimanded the FDA. Uh, for, for, for overstepping their bounds, and, and they, they said that this is a valid case. So what is the FDA doing? They're trying to dismiss again, right? And so they, they're running scared. I don't think that, that, that can, they're going to win uh, because it's demonstrably proven that their actions did immense amount of harm uh, to many physicians and innumerable patients. I remember the news reporting that was done on uh, the tweets coming out of the FDA the one in which said, you know, come on, yep. you're not a horse, y'all, <laughs> you know, yep. that kind of thing, yep. implying that ivermectin's only use was that of a, a horse dewormer, which, of course, it is, but it was done on humans first. You know, it was used on yeah. on humans. But 
Uh, truth be told, yeah, you couldn't do modern agriculture without the ivermectin, but it really is a multi-purpose uh, drug. It's just a you know an amazing compound, really. Yeah. So, so is aspirin and penicillin. They're used in humans, and and but you're right. But you know, ivermectin won the Nobel Prize to its discoveries for its impact on human health, not animal health. And 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 yeah, and you can see that horse dewormer. You know, I have a chapter in my book called the Horse Dewormer PR Campaign because and I, and I show the structure, the architect, the sequence, the timing. I mean, it was literally a flurry of coordinated attacks on ivermectin, always using horse dewormer. And it started with our agencies, then professional societies jumped in, and then the media had a field day for weeks. Horse dewormer, horse dewormer, horse dewormer. And, you know, that, that is pure propaganda and was highly successful. At the end of that, you couldn't get ivermectin out of pharmacies. Hospitals were taking them out of their formularies. Uh, pharmacists wouldn't fill uh, anymore. And, and I, most of the American public believed that it was an uncredible uh, drug used for horses and only championed by right-wing radical fringe quacks, as oh. I found myself called repeatedly. Yeah, which I I, I don't recall you being right-wing, if I recall your, yeah, no. your, your politics, I, right? I am now. I didn't used to be. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, do you believe, though, that have we learned the lesson of the last three, four years, Dr. Corey, and are we going to take these uh, these health institutions and these uh, and the and the media proclamations and the are we taking it more seriously now or, or, or are we looking at it with more of a skeptical skeptical view yeah. collectively I, I think when you ask are we uh, that's including a lot of people what I would say is there's a large portion of us who figured this out who are appropriately skeptical not trusting we understand the fraud and corruption we've seen it clearly it's exposed itself in COVID as like no other time in history, but there's you know this this country's polarized, and I think there's there's a, a, you know a larger proportion that still has some implicit faith and trust in the institutions and people like Fauci, and so I don't think everyone's learned. I literally wrote the book. Uh, you know, I'm an educator. I, I've won awards my whole career as a teacher. In fact, I started writing that book as a lecture, and then it became into a bigger project. And I really think that the pop, you know. You know, people need to read it because they're going to keep doing this kind of disinformation, this, the continue to corrupt the science, and um, more people need to be aware and awake. What hope do you have, if any, that the medical world, that a doctor can actually someday begin practicing medicine again? I mean, true medicine, patient-doctor-patient relationship rather than practicing protocols handed down from the AMA or from the federal government or from uh, Medicare, or whatever the case might be. Is there any hope for that? Because that's what's uh, that's what has led this group thing to become so powerful, because, well, you know, you're not here to practice medicine. Here's the instruction manual, you know, on the computer. Yep. So, so that's a brilliant point. I mean, medicine has been completely taken over. Um, but I, here's, the, here's the silver lining, is Private practice is our savior. So I've left the system. I no longer work for hospital. I don't have a boss. I run my own practice, and I am happy as I can be. Me and my patients were able to explore and use therapies that I would never be able to use if I was still employed in one of these big health systems. I'm learning so much about therapeutics that I was never taught in, uh, you know, when I was inside the system. And Could you give me an example of that before you uh, go on? I'm just curious, what kind of therapeutics do you learn about now oh. in private practice that you couldn't when you were in the blob, you know, the medical blob? Oh. I'll give you one, just one out of nowhere. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy has been really helpful in a number of different uh, ailments, especially around vaccine injury. Really? Um, lots of different nu nutraceuticals that I use, uh, compounds like methylene blue, um, hmm. uh, yeah, any, any number of nutraceuticals. I'm always looking for, for new compounds, and I'm also repurposing a lot of different medicines, which I will tell you, if I was doing that like in the system, you know, using the amount of medicines that I use that don't really have like a lot of clinical trials evidence, but has really good safety and good mechanisms, and I'm, I can quickly see success with them. I mean, I think I would be reprimanded immediately. I, I would have pharmacists telling me, what are you using this for? Why are you using this? Where's the evidence for this? Where's the randomized controlled trial? Where's the guideline? And I would say, well, no, I'm using it after full discussion with my patient. I share with them my knowledge of the drug, uh, what my experience is with it, and that's how I'm treating. But they would that kind of autonomy and freedom, um, they, they wouldn't allow. They wouldn't allow. Does that mean, then, that we take our lives? I mean, this is, 
Because this brings up the next question that, and I, and I hope this is not too out there. Do we take our lives in our own hands when we go into the traditional standard protocol care, uh, you know, medical industrial complex medical system is, you know, do we get better? Uh, not necessarily because uh, that was designed to be that way because we got, or because we got lucky. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think the system maybe does some things well, emergency care, surgery, it does well. Um, I would say the practice of medicine for chronic illness is, is it's, it's really poor for that. And I will, you know, to your question, I mean, where I travel, where I speak, I'm endlessly approached by people who are now terrified of going to the hospital. They don't want to see their primary care provider anymore because they, they've seen that their doctors are capable of propagating lies fed to them through journals and through agency officials that lay people, you know, you don't, have, you don't need an MD degree to know what's credible and what's not. And so many people have used their own judgment, relied on their own research, which, remember, used to be called reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of them have become quite knowledgeable. And in many, I've seen over and over so many people that I've met, lay people, are way more knowledgeable about the true science supporting, uh, you know, behind COVID than their physicians. And when you have that kind of knowledge dissymmetry, I mean, generally you go to your doctor because he or she is the most expert and can give the most sound guidance to help you. And now you know better than your doctor and you listen to your doctor who's literally saying things that are demonstrably and scientifically not only inaccurate, but false. And so uh, it estranges people. That's pretty sad, you know, really. And is it because of the protocol or is it because we're at the point where the insurance company allocates, hey, you can see the doctor for a full 10 minutes or whatever it is, and that's all That's all you get? I think that's part of it. I, I definitely think that's part of it. But, yeah, they're, they're restricted in what they can use, and, and it gets worse. What they're using is what serves the pharmaceutical it's not the best treatment that's being used it's what serves the pharmaceutical industry Hmm. would you break it up say that again would you break it up i mean i talk about like like the the pharmaceutical industry oh you know i'm not a policy guy but okay how i don't i don't know you can break up industry but i think that the approach would be you have to mitigate and protect their influence and control over our governmental agencies we're we're in federal regulatory capture and we have to take really discreet and potent steps uh, to mitigate that influence. We, we have to leave our agencies independent of corporate control and influence. And until that happens, you know, I, I, call, it, I call this the United States of Pharma. They literally run everything. I mean, the, in 2021, they were, the, they were the biggest lobbyists on Capitol Hill. $660,000 per member was spent in 2021 in lobbying. That's Two to money. three times the, the size of the coal and gas industry. So the, the power of the, the pharmaceutical and vaccination industry is the same thing. I mean, they're literally writing laws. They're getting rid of exemptions for people. They're mandating it for schools, for kids. I mean, it's like you cannot get away from being forced to take innumerable vaccines. And it's, it's very dangerous. Wasn't there really uh, the biggest mistake that was made was permitting the advertising of drugs. Now, I say this being in an advertising industry, but I know that mm. ever since the ever since the drugs have been advertised, it is next to impossible to get conventional news outlets to really do anything critical of what's going on with pharmaceutical medicines. And I understand why, because their paychecks are coming from them. Whether you're a news anchor, whether you're a station owner, whether you're a cable TV host, you know, whatever, you know, it's uh, it's reasonable you know, to act that way. Yeah. You cannot have a show which, you know, seeks to inform and educate and analyze um, a medicine or a treatment if it's going to make problems for your advertisers. So we do not get uh, accurate information to the public. And you're, you're right. It's their ability to advertise gives them over the media and over what is true about their products. And all of the adverse effects, all of the negative consequences of their products are generally just not discussed. If you go back to like the 1980s, though, like remember like Phil Donahue, and oh, yeah. there's some really famous examples of open discussions on national television and radio where you could discuss problems with certain treatments and medicines. Now, nothing. 
Yeah, because back then it was just considered, hey, this is a problem that doctors are observing and patients are observing this. Let's hash it out, yeah. right? And now it's, it's like a talk show. Yeah. <laughs> now and, we don't have talk shows. We have uh, we have advertise. They're, they're effectively all advertisements for products. Yeah, and I am the science. You know that kind of uh, oh. <laughs> talk there too. Yep. Yeah, I, I think, and like I said, I'm in the advertising industry, and I don't like uh, telling people, hey, you shouldn't be able to advertise, but it looks like we've lost something along the way that uh, that I, I and I, I don't know how you fix that one, but maybe that's a t- one for another conversation. Dr. Pierre Corey, author of The War on Ivermectin, the medicine that saved millions and could have ended the pandemic. I read it a number of months ago. I highly recommend it. And, you really, and if you really want to know how propaganda and disinformation uh, crushes truth out there and why you always have to be you know, looking for the truth and not uh, fall prey to the propaganda. That book will ex- help explain really what uh, what happened on that. Dr. Corey, it's available at all the uh, the usual suspects. Do you have it over at FLCC? I didn't look on that today, but I thought at least to no, ask you. No, it's best bought from Amazon. I know some people don't like that, but Amazon is, is probably the best. Or uh, ICAN.org, I-C-A-N.org. That's, um, uh, that's Dell Big Tree's uh, nonprofit. All right. Very good. Appreciate the talk as always. And uh, thanks for uh, being a good sport about it. Okay. Be well. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. It's 841 at KMED, KCMD on the Bill Myers Show. Mm, good. Artisan Bakery Cafe new owners McKay and Jamie and their two sons invite you to come enjoy unique European-style pastries made fresh daily in South Medford for over 18 years. Baked goods the way they ought to be. Delicious and out-of-this-world satisfying. One memorable bite after another will leave you wanting more. From cupcakes to almond bear claws, rich butter horns, fruit-filled scones, cupcakes, beignets, and more. 1325 Center Drive next to South Fred Meyer, 245-3500. Are you adventure ready? Oregon Truck and Auto Authority is your source for overlanding, off-road, and outdoor lifestyle products. Featuring quality options for rooftop tents, racks, bumpers, winches, and recovery gear. LED lighting, dual battery systems, onboard compressors, cargo cases, coolers, and refrigerators. They also offer camp stoves, scuttles, fire pits, tables and chairs, so you're prepared once you've reached your destination. Stop by Oregon Truck and Auto Authority. Your Department of Adventure. Have your taxes gotten off track? Just call Zach, CPA at First Response Resolution. Visit firstresponseirs.com today to see what Zach can do for you. First Response Resolution in Eagle Point is your first response to the IRS, defending your rights as a taxpayer. Retired or retiring soon? How much money do you need to live comfortably? Retirement Planners of America is here for you. Would you like to have financial peace of mind? Here's how. Step one, find out the amount of money you'll need to retire. Step two, have a plan to get there. Step three, make sure that plan can take advantage of market gains but protect you from market losses. Discover how to do all three with a free consultation at 800-508-6108. That's 800-508-6108. All investments involve risk, including losses. Past performance does not guarantee future results. 106.3 KMED, 99.3 KCMD, and this is the Bill Myers Show. 843, read a little long with Dr. Corey, but, uh, you know, when I got started with him, interesting book, interesting guy. And I, I love that he even talks in the book about uh, how he was called, yeah, right-wing extremist, and it's, he wasn't a right-wing guy. <laughs> it's it's kind of, uh, uh, but that is, that became one, he said. I, I found that very interesting, very interesting indeed. Lynn, how are you doing this morning? Welcome. Great to have you on. Oh, Great. Thank you. I tuned in late, but I did catch a good bit of that interview. And he has been absolutely heroic um, in the whole COVID thing. And I wanted to follow up on what he was saying about vaccines. You know, a lot of these doctors um, were saying, well, we know the childhood vaccine schedule has been well tested and it's safe. And this whole COVID vaccine is a whole new deal. Mm -hmm. But as time went on, and a number of them have begun to look at the childhood schedule and their understanding, he didn't get into it, but actually the COVID vaccine was the perfection of their modus operandi that they developed on the childhood schedule since 1986. So, when you say it was the perfection, what do you perfection? What did you mean by that? I I, I don't quite understand. Well, because uh, what happened was. After the 1986 Act was passed and it gave a liability shield to all the vaccine manufacturers, so now they didn't have to worry about safety. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's why the the schedule has exploded. But then they also, the studies themselves are corrupt. 
So what they do, uh, one of the things they do is, um, and this didn't happen with the COVID vaccine, but with most uh, childhood vaccines or any vaccine, they don't test against a saline placebo. They test against another vaccine that's supposedly been proven safe. Oh, so you're testing vaccine against vaccine rather than a vaccine against no vaccine. Right. That's so a fraud. That, that's fraudulent. It, yeah, so it, <laughs> it, it, masks, it masks, you know, the long-term or short-term uh, safety effects because if there's the adverse event rates are about the same, they pronounce it safe. Oh. And there's a whole book. It's called Turtles All the Way Down that that, that shows this fraud. Uh, and and I can um, Dell Big Trees organization uh, was able to prove that through uh, FOIA requests and lawsuits. Um, the other thing that they do, and this this happened with COVID, is they always cut the study short. So they say, oh, we're going to study it for years, but then they cut it short. And they say, this product is so amazing, it would be unethical not to give it to everybody. And so they give it to the people that were the test subjects, right? Or that they give it had to the placebo. They give it to the control group. Yeah, control. So that way you can never know, you know, what any long-term or mostly short-term effect could be. Um, and almost, for instance, the hepatitis B vaccine that is given to every infant at birth, the study was five days. And five they days. pronounced it safe. Five days. So the well, you know something, Lynn, I knew something was up there, even with my daughter, Sarah, at the time, back in the day when she was born. And and I and I noticed the number of vaccines that she was given, and I contrasted that with my own. Now, I was born in 1961. I don't know how old you are, and I'm not going to be impolite and ask. Oh, 59. Okay, so we're pretty close. All right, pretty close. close. What do we have, six? Maybe total, five or six total? I think I had about six, yeah. Yeah, yeah, five or six. That was it. One of them was the, uh, the you know, the polio gun. You know, in the arm. Remember that? Polio. I had MMR, polio, and probably DTP. Yeah. Um, and back then, you could that. get MMR, or or you or you could get uh, uh, those. Um, usually, you could get those uh, vaccines separately rather than all together, which is what you have to yeah, do but, now. Right? But most people didn't know, and then people started questioning it. So for a while in the '90s, you could get it separate, and then they put the kibosh on that mm-hmm. because that was going to reveal. The problem, and I don't know if you remember, about when when your grandson, you know, was diagnosed with autism. I emailed you and I told you I'm 100% sure it was his vaccines. And back then, it was hard to take in because, you know, we were quite, we were um, anti-vaccine. Yeah, yeah, we were we were blah, wacko. Blah, blah. Yeah, wackos. I know. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my grandson is uh, my grandson also had genetic abnormalities. All right, mm-hmm. and which I think led him uh, be even more. Uh, more sensitive yeah. or more open to the damage because he was already problematic. He had, you know, some issues, and right. it's and it's very sad. Abilities, mm-hmm. kids, kids. Some kids just can't handle it because of, you know, like you said, the, their particular constitution. But I remember it was the MMR and uh, the MMR vaccine, and that's when that was the beginning of the end for a kid. Right. You know, I appreciate the call there. Thanks for bringing it up. Okay, and uh, we'll yeah. talk soon. I- full-on anti-vax now. I wouldn't have another one, and if I wish I'd never given my kids any, they both had problems. They're okay, but um, he's... uh, uh, Dr. Um, Corey's also correct about autism. It's 100% sure that these many vaccines are the reason why we have an explosion of autism. Yeah. Um, Maybe what we could do is just go back to the 1967 vaccine schedule and just uh, see if everything improves. See what happens. Well, that would be a start. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for the call. Uh, Let me go to uh, line two. Hi, KMED, KCMD. Good morning. Hi. Hello. Hi, you're on. Go ahead. Going once, going twice. Okay, if you're uh, holding on, I'll be right with you after news. Okay, I'm running late in the hour, okay? Hi there, it's Jeff with Quality Tree Service. As we look forward to spring, now is the time we offer our best rates of the year. Winter is also a great time to prune your trees because they're dormant and waiting to wake up and grow in a healthy way. So give us a call and get a no-obligation quote. I think you'll be impressed with how affordable it is to get your trees shaped up for spring. Quality Tree Service offers senior and military discounts, too. Find us at qualitytreeservicemedford.com.
Johnson Builders is the leading authority of post and frame construction in Southern Oregon and Northern California for over 20 years. Save on shops, garages, barns, and covered riding arenas during their winter sale. For commercial, industrial, or residential, they have you covered with the lowest pricing of the year while the winter sale lasts. Visit www.johnson.builders or check them out on Instagram at Johnson Builders Corp for ideas on your project. Financing available. Johnson Builders, building for your future. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The Pacific Northwest hunkering down after predictions of ice and freezing rain that could continue a weekend storm toll of damage and deaths. The forecast came as much of the U.S. coped with bitter weather, but in some places put electricity supplies at risk. Another day of record cold temperatures swept much of the Rockies, Great Plains, and Midwest. Donald Trump scored a record victory in the Iowa caucuses and wants another big win in New Hampshire. Voters in that New England state will get their turn January 23rd. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis face mounting pressure to improve on their distant finishes in Monday's caucuses. On Wall Street, the Dow is down 20 points and the Nasdaq losing 125. This is SRN News. It's 51, the Bill Myers Show. You know, I just realized that uh, we need to do a Diner 62 Real American Quiz. And so I think what I'm going to do is clear the lines right now and, and make sure that we have time to do this. So I'm going to, if you're calling right now, I'm going to hang up on you and clear the lines. Okay, there we go. So it, I'm sorry, everyone that was holding on will have to get back to you. I'm, I'm really sorry about that. So jump on the phone and we'll get you set up with a Diner 62 Real American Quiz. Okay. And Real American Quiz, great question. Okay, great question. $20 gift certificate, 770-5633, and we'll do that, okay? Another number you can call if you're not interested in the Diner 62 quiz is uh, my friends over at Sky Park Insurance at skyparkins.com. And a way that you can just save money is just call Steve, 261-5444, 261-5444. I've been a client of, of Sky Park and Steve Yancey, saving a lot of money on my home and auto insurance for many, many years. A lot of listeners tell me how many great deals they're getting and the service that Sky Park provides. And once again, 2615444 for home auto life and those needs. And they also now help with Medicare insurance needs too. Lynn Barton. I was talking with Lynn just a few minutes ago. Great listener of the show, great friend of the show. Uh, she helps out with Medicare insurance. In fact, she helped Linda out the other day getting all signed up. She joined Sky Park and there to help you with Medicare insurance options, getting you signed up and getting all the options known. And so you can call her at 499-0958, 499-0958. Again, Lynn Barton at Sky Park Insurance. At Sky Park, well, like Steve always says, we make insurance easy. This hour of the Bill Myers Show is brought to you by Johnson Builders, Southern Oregon's leading authority on post frame and steel buildings for over 20 years. One of each sold in 224482, MSRP 21615, 3502, Sportage VIN 69157, MSRP 3390, 4399 due, 10K miles per year, zero security deposit, all incentives and discounts to dealer, plus tax, title license, 150 registration, processing fee, trading in a vehicle will not eliminate your debt, negative equity applied to new loan balance, ends 13124. With brand new Kias starting at 159 a month, it's time to get more in 24. At Kia Medford. More savings, more selection, more for your trade. Rush in now. Get a new 2024 Kia Soul LX Automatic, just $159 a month lease. For a new 2024 Kia Sportage LX All-Wheel Drive, only $199 a month lease, both for 24 months. Ready to get out of your current lease or loan? Once we make a deal, we'll pay off your trade no matter how much you owe. Need credit? Go to KiaMedford.com to get pre-approved in less than 30 seconds with no effect on your credit score. Get more in 24 with Souls, $159 a month. Sportages, $199 a month at Kia Medford. Click KiaMedford.com. At American Rancher Garage, our mission is to create and build unity through integrity and high-quality service. We are committed to serving you, our customers, providing nothing less than the highest standard of professionalism on every single service and repair. Quality technicians, competitive pricing, and service you can trust is what keeps American Rancher Garage and you united through service. Stop in at 2001 Biddle Road across from Elmer's Restaurant or call 541-499-6673 to make an appointment. 
Welcome back to the Bill Meyer Show. 106.3 KMED, 99.3 KCMD. Diner 62 Real American Quiz. Try their crispy chicken sandwich. You, you don't know what a good crispy chicken sandwich is until you've had that one. They just added it to the menu, and it's money. Just delicious. They always had the grilled chicken before, but the crispy even better. Diner 62, just south of White City. All right, let me go to Brad. Hello, Brad. How you doing? Hey, Bill. Hey, right. the reason I called, um, your topic on health care. No, now, Brad, uh, we're doing a uh, contest. Are you doing the contest or not? Oh, oh, yeah, I'll do the contest. Oh, Absolutely. okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just out of time. i got five minutes. I turn into a pumpkin. No problem. All right. Fire away. So, Brad, January's today, today in 1950, 11 men steal from the Brinks Armored Car Depot in Boston, Massachusetts. The mastermind was Anthony Fats Pino, a career criminal. He recruited a group of 10 other men to stake out the depot for 18 months to figure out when it held the most money. They then managed to steal plans for the depot's alarm system. And they came and they were turning them before anybody noticed they were gone. So they wore navy blue coats, chauffeur caps, similar to the Brinks employees, rubber Halloween masks. They entered the depot with copied keys, surprising and tying up several employees Filling 14 canvas bags with cash, coins, checks, and money order. Weighed more than a half ton, Brad. The men were out and in the getaway car in 30 minutes. How much money did they steal, Brad? Was it $1.7 million, or $5.7 million? What do you say? $1.7. Sorry this time. For the other topic, tomorrow on Conspiracy Theory Thursday. Let me go to Krishna. Krishna. 2.7 2.7 million, Hello. 3.7 million, 4.7 million, or 5.7 million. How much did these uh, Brinks robbers steal? Uh, 4.7. 4.7. Oh, I'm sorry, it wasn't that either. Let me go to Super Dave. Super Dave, it's uh, either 2.7, 3.7, or 5.7 million. What do you say? I am going to have to go with that $2.7 million figure. 2.7. Yes, it is. $2.7 million. The largest robbery in U.S. history up until that time. No one was hurt. The thieves left virtually no clues. The gang promised to stay out of trouble and not touch the money for six years. They might have made it, except for the fact that one of the men, Specs O'Keefe, left his share with another member in order to serve a prison sentence for another burglary. And while in jail... He wrote bitterly to his cohorts, demanding money and hinting that he might talk. So they they sent a hitman to kill O'Keefe, but he was caught before completing it. And they O'Keefe made a deal. That's how they ended up catching him. It's a great story. Great story, all right? So um, hang on, Super Dave. We're going to get you set up with uh, Diner 62. Hey, it's Lars here with my trusted friend in the real estate market, Jared Hokanson with Hokanson Realty. With the marketplace the way it is today, what are you doing differently? Hey, Lars, great question. We offer our guaranteed sale program where we set a price and a deadline. And if your home doesn't sell during that time, we will buy it. And you combine that with the marketing that we do to get our clients top dollar for the sale of their home. And we sell properties like no one else in Southern Oregon. What does that mean for someone who lists his home or her home today? Lars, for someone that lists today, they can start packing. With our guaranteed sale program and the marketing that we do that is second to none in the market, they will be able to get top dollar for their home and know that they didn't leave any money on the table during this changing market. Thanks, Jared. Call Jared Hokanson today at 541-772-SOLD, 541-772-SOLD, or go online to 541-772-SOLD.com and start packing. At Freddy's Diner, you may be occasionally surprised.